First Look continues on News Talk 99.7 WNTK with our weekly visit with Mike Armstrong, whom you hear every weekday from 10 to noon on the Financial Exchange. Morning, Michael. How's things? Hey, it's going well, John. Good morning. Yeah, well, the jobs report's certainly going well. Uh, from last Friday, uh, things look pretty rosy. Yeah, so uh, we did receive that jobs report, and 40, 431,000 uh, jobs were added, I think, at this stage of the game that is uh, you know, well above expectations. Granted, the average you know, per month over the last 12 months was more than half a million jobs added, but considering where we have come from a year ago, uh, you know, being able to add 430,000 jobs in a matter of a month is, is quite impressive at this stage of the game. One of the key metrics we look at is the, uh, the the prime working age employment to population ratio. And this is something that gets reported on monthly. And they define prime working age as 25 to 54 years old, right? If, if you're not pursuing work at that stage of your life, then, you know, there's likely something going on here. And, you know, prior to the pandemic in February of 2020, we were looking at a uh, ratio of about 80%. So 80% of folks 25 to 54, regardless of disability or, you know, anything else, were in the labor market and working. And we have once again reached that threshold. Um, I think the big surprising piece for economists there is that, you know, after the Great Recession, that ratio dropped way, way down. And it took until, you know, from 2010, where it bottomed out all the way until 2020 to get back to that 80 percent level. Uh, and, you know, the pandemic struck that that number dropped again, took us basically two years to get back to that rate. Uh, but it does it does now beg the question, look. If we are back at these high levels of employment, uh, you know, the prime working age folks are, you know, 80% of them are working in the labor market right now. How much more growth can there really be at this stage? You need to start pulling in other groups, right? You need to start having, you know, 18 to 24-year-olds really piling into the workforce or maybe uh, people that have retired coming back into the workforce, which we have seen to some degree, but uh, it would need to continue to occur at a pretty high level in order to keep these job growth numbers coming. Um, the, the, the wage growth has continued to persist. You know, we're seeing wages up about 5.6% year over year, which is good to see, except when you measure inflation and see that that's running 8%. And so, um, you know, certainly wages, as we anticipated, are still not keeping pace with the rate of inflation that we are seeing. But overall, on Friday, very, very solid jobs report. Um, Big gains in almost every sector, especially leisure and hospitality, which we are, you know, still uh, trying to get back to the pre-pandemic levels. There's so many people lost jobs in that sector that just haven't been able to return to that sector. They're still off a few million people uh, from where we were previously. That's amazing, but I suppose as things go, they'll improve a little bit. One of the things that we have heard about was uh, that there was a union election at two large facilities for Amazon. And uh, the results, well, they were mixed, weren't they? They were, yeah. So we had a union election, uh, a new union election at the Staten, one of the Staten Island warehouses. Uh, there were over 8,000 eligible employees to vote in this. And uh, they, they passed. Uh, this was a, this was an interesting one. This was a newly formed union. This was not them joining an existing union of, you know, warehouse or retail workers or anything like that. It was a newly formed Amazon union, and uh, pretty much passed overwhelmingly there in Staten Island. So that union, it'll probably take a long time before the, the contract is worked out with Amazon. But the first Amazon factory to vote in favor of unionization 
Uh, likewise, we've been covering the story for over a year now of the Alabama warehouse that has been voting for unionization. The vote failed to pass last time it ran, but the National Labor Relations Board overturned the results based on some of Amazon's tactics there. So they voted again. Uh, it, it appears from the counting that it failed to pass a second time, but it was too close to call and some of the votes are being thrown out apparently uh, and others were already thrown out and might still be counted. So that one still more to come there, but you know, big news for a company like Amazon to be seeing their first ever unionization in one of their factories and what it might mean for that company and their relationship with their employees is going to be certainly interesting to see over the coming months um, you know, as they follow suit. You know, this trend is following suit in that industry. We, you know, we've certainly covered the story of, I think it's up to now 10 different Starbucks locations voting in unionization. But you know, with, with a case like Amazon, right, you're talking about a warehouse with thousands of employees compared to a Starbucks shop with maybe 30. So it's definitely a different scale for the second largest employer in the United States, only to Walmart. Well, it's on the it's on the magnitude of say a um, United Auto Workers situation. Yeah, certainly for you know, for one of the factory floors there. So yeah, it's a it'll be an interesting situation. It'll be very fascinating to see how Amazon treats this union, this warehouse compared to their other locations. But I don't suspect that it is a trend that is likely to stop in the short term. You know, certainly. Uh, you know, employees and labor in general has most of the power right now uh, when it comes to negotiations. Labor market is incredibly tight, and so I'll be surprised if we don't see more of these types of walkouts, union votes, etc. You mentioned Starbucks, and uh, they've had some labor issues before, but they've been in the news for a different reason, haven't they? Well, Howard Schultz has uh, taken the helm again, and um, one of the first things he did when it was announced that he was going to be taking over as CEO once again was uh, talk about the problems that they are having with uh, their employees. He, he addressed it pretty head on, but in my view, I didn't really think that he had much meat to his statement. Right? It was, you know, pretty general saying that they're going to work to uh, repair relationships there, but didn't really didn't really put any cards on the table. Um, now it seems that they are. They are taking concrete action here. He's announced that Starbucks is going to be immediately suspending their share buybacks. Uh, you know, going out, to, you know, a lot of companies do this. They'll go back out and buy their own company stock, which you know benefits CEOs and shareholders typically uh, by you know lessening the number of shares outstanding here, saying that they're going to take that cost savings to work on benefits for their employees and just improving things there for their employees in an effort to. I believe, combat some of this unionization push. So we'll see what actually happens when the rubber meets the road here. But uh, some concrete action from from Schultz on his first few days as CEO of Starbucks. Well, we'll have to wait and see what happens there. You mentioned the rubber meeting the road and vehicle sales. Um, They haven't really been quite what they should be, have they? Well, no, uh, they haven't you know, certainly lived up to the expectations of the companies that are trying to sell the cars. has nothing to do with demand. I think if they had the vehicles to sell, they'd be able to. But GM reported on Friday that sales declined 20% in light cars and trucks. Toyota uh, sold you know, uh, 515,000 vehicles, which was a 15% drop year over year. So 
you know, we continue to see this prolonged problem with supply chains. They might be improving in other areas, but when it comes to semiconductors in the in the vehicle industry in particular, really struggling to keep up keep up pace with sales. Uh, the the only company that seems to be continuing to deliver here is Tesla. Now, granted, they sell a lot fewer cars than any of these other companies, but um, seemingly nimble enough in their manufacturing process to switch between semiconductors and and really customize things so that they can keep pace with sales at least so far we'll see we'll see how that continues to go as they you know further expand their their german gigafactories online they're producing cars in in china now as well and they are getting to a, a different sort of scale that makes things it makes it more difficult to just pivot on a dime and and uh, go in a different direction. But uh, Tesla uh, continues to to really push out cars and not be as impacted by the supply chains as nearly every other vehicle manufacturer. Well, we'll keep an eye on them and we'll keep an ear out for the financial exchange this morning. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, John. And there's more to come on First Look on News Talk 99.7 WNTK. So don't you go nowhere. We'll be back in two shakes of a lamb's tail.